Hello, and welcome to the I'm Sorry Grandpa podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keanu. And I'm Morgan. And my name is Manny. We are not grandpas, but we are in fact sorry. We're very, we're very Canadian sorry. Hold on, hold on. I didn't say it in a Canadian way. You did. Time out. To, uh, uh, can we, can the, can the, bring the tape back, rewind the tape? Sorry. I'm sorry, Grandpa. Anyways, we're a podcast. Yeah. And we don't just talk about whatever. We are a movie podcast. And I hope we remain as a movie podcast because I have some ideas and thoughts. Me too. I have like a whole a whole notes tab where I've structured shit. But I did that for the for the RPG podcast too. So we'll see where it goes. I had my next like three RPGs planned. That's right. Another throwback. We started off as an RPG podcast. And then we realized... We don't have money or time to do all of that. So the format of this podcast is that we, you know, pick a genre of the month. In this case, it's uh, science fiction blockbuster films. And we take turns picking which film we're going to watch for uh, their respective week. Keanu chose Jurassic Park. And he also said that we would watch just the first film and not the entire franchise because it's, you know, a big franchise. It probably wouldn't have been a big ask, but... Yeah, it's fucking long, my guy. But I just watched the first film, tried to separate it from the rest of the shit. But, I mean, you know, it's impossible to separate it. I will say right now that Jurassic Park, the first Jurassic Park film, is the best film in the entire franchise. For sure. That goes to say with most originals... It is hard-pressed to find a sequel that beats the original. I don't know. I would say <laughs> I would say Gremlins 2 did everything Gremlins did, but better. I'm pretty sure Gremlins 2 is better than Jurassic Park 2. I'm pretty sure Gremlins 2 is better than okay. every film ever made. It's a fucking... You're comparing apples That's to oranges true. here. That's true. Dif- different. <laughs> but also, is Gremlins not a... F- a it, why don't you do Gremlins as yours? Cause no one can, ever, nothing can ever top Gremlins. We're just gonna like dick ride Gremlins for no, the rest of the podcast. No, it's not even considered sci-fi, huh? It's more like horror, fantasy, or comedy uh, horror. Yeah, I would consider it sci-fi sort of. It's not monster a sci-fi movie film at all. Mm, no. no, yeah, monster you're right. Movies. It's more fantasy. Mm. It's more fantasy. Yeah, okay, yeah, fantasy is correct. But going back to my my thoughts on Jurassic Park, it's a lot better than the sequels. It's a lot better than the franchise, and. That being said, a lot of people think that Jurassic Park is only really impressive for the visual effects, but it's not just that. It's the direction and it's the writing. It has a much yeah. better plot than the preceding films, even the Jurassic World, which had a lot of heavyweight, you know, names behind it. It just wasn't as good of a film. It was a great action film. No. Don't get me wrong. You you can't you you can't just rely on I, to be fair, I don't think Jurassic World was supposed to be a good film. I think it was a cash cow reigniting the series for the point of making money, which yeah, I think totally. a lot of a lot of movies these days are. Oh yeah, you don't see a lot of a lot of, a lot of original filmmaking these days. Um, the original has so many good quotes. It's 
the I like I saw I saw Jurassic World when it came out in theaters. I, I don't remember it at all. I remember being like it had some cool moments, some mediocre effects, whatever. That good effects. I mean, it was a twenty whatever film. It was good. It's effects. a modern film. Yeah. It was a modern film with good effects, but overall a very boring standard plot. I think is essentially. Well, if Jurassic Park had gone through with becoming a park, I guess Jurassic World would have been the sequel in that Which case. Which throws me for a loop, because at the end of Jurassic Park, they're like, we're never going to turn this into a theme park. And then they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, they you gotta you make a movie. anything for the sake of making a movie for money. But uh, what you're saying about the quotes, there are so many Quotables. good quotes in this movie. Like, you know, the life finds a way is, is probably a Clever pretty girl. just memorable. Clever girl is is uh, another iconic Hacker one. Hackerman's. I really Schmoodle. liked the one where the guy was like, uh, God creates human, you know, that one's blah, great. blah, blah. <laughs> oh my God. And then, and then, like, then, then the, and then, uh, what, Laura Dern is just like, ah, uh, and then woman inherits the earth. And I liked how they both just, like, looked at her. <laughs> I loved that shot. And I love this shot, too, because it was, like, Jeff Goldblum in the back, uh, and then Sam Neill, and then Laura Dern. And, like, they each go through, like, they go, he, uh, Jeff, Blue, Jeff Goldblum goes through his scenario, Sam Neill adds on to it, and then it kind of, like, it kind of makes it so Laura Dern's in the forefront and the other two are kind of blurred in the back. And she's like, oh, yes, and then women inherit the earth. Yeah. And they both just kind of turn and look at her and they have nothing else to add. Uh, what a great shot. What so a great good. scene. It was it's so such good. such great framing. This I was say, directed by Steven Spielberg. Yep. Uh, this, was, this was his uh, Jaws on Land sequel, essentially. Supposedly. He was like, I want to make a monster film like Jaws, but on land. And, uh, I mean, he did it. What's great about this film, though, is that it's not just a monster movie. It, I feel like it's a very... It's the reason why it's that, like a blockbuster yeah. is because it's an all-rounder. There's comedy. There's action. There's horror elements to it. It has a little bit of everything for everyone. It's a very like, subtle horror film. There are some blood curdling. Oh, no, that shit's terrifying. reactions from the cast yeah. that are just like, ooh, yeah. No, you feel scared. Um, the acid dinosaur screen... Or the the acid dinosaur scene was what? the Lophosaurus. Oh my oh, god! Oh, the, the spraying that acid dinosaur. The yeah, shit yeah. Out of you. Really, that did not scare really? you much. I have a speaker set up where I was watching it. The scariest things were easily the loudest things that I heard. T Rex, Raptor. Yeah, the, they had such good sound design. Not only the sound design for the monsters, but also just like the music as well in the background. All of it was so well done. Well, I'll that's say John Williams. It, yeah, John he's iconic. <laughs> he's done everything that's worth scoring. Um, I would say, I, I wouldn't, I mean, it was her, probably horrific back then. It maybe isn't that horrific now. But I will say, I watched it with my girlfriend who doesn't like horror. And the part for her that was so scary was when the little kids are, uh, are hiding in, like, the kitchen from the, uh, uh. the velociraptors, quote-unquote. And, and she was like, this reminds me of, like, a video game. Like, like she was referencing <laughs> when I played The Last of Us. And you have to hide from the zombies. She was like, oh, it's like that. It's so tense. It, it scares me. I can't watch this. Which I actually wanted to... I wanted to uh, touch on that a bit. I think we already touched on that. But, like, how memorable the film is. Manny, was there any, like, scenes or lines that you particularly, like, found en- engrossing, I guess? Um, well... 
you know, like the first things one, that you remember from your childhood that like yeah, stick no, to you. No, the first one that comes to mind is always the acid dinosaur because that's just a terrible way to go. And I mean, obviously, I think, you know, that's one of the things. I was watching a little behind the scenes thing about uh, Jurassic Park, and they were talking about how the dinosaurs actually aren't in the film all that much. Like, they make up, like, less than a fourth of, like, the total runtime of the film. I definitely noticed that when watching, yes. They don't really show up until much later. But they are so iconic. And, like, just, like, the general idea of, like, how grand of a scale the dinosaurs are in the film. Even just the scenes with the Triceratops or things that you remember off the top of your head, you know, where uh, the two paleontologists or whatever, like, you know, meet this Triceratops who is clearly in pain. And, like, it's just such a thing where, like, they're in such awe. Those things, like, really get to you as a kid. And even as an adult, you're just, like, you feel that same awe with the oh, with the characters in the film. Which is another reason. That's another reason why I don't think the sequels could they had they had a much higher stepping stone because the awe has worn off in the sequels not just for us but the characters too because it's already happened once like this was the first time in a film that it had been done you know like this was their first time that these characters in this universe had ever seen dinosaurs being cloned i would Um, argue however the 90s was laden with dinosaurs I remember specifically, that's why I love dinosaurs so much as a kid. It was Jurassic Park, but it was also There was Barney. Land Before Time. It was Dinosaurs. It was Land Barney. Before Time. There it was, was all those like kids movie, books dinosaurs. about it. Exactly. You were, kind of a, you were already kind of inoculated with dinosaur stuff, at least in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, but Jurassic Park wasn't necessarily a kid's film. It was a... It, but that wasn't like... All these other things are kid's films. Barney and... And Land Before Time and all these things, I don't, which are old. I don't think I don't think that's true actually because I definitely remember being super interested in the movie as a kid, and I remember a lot of other kids were super interested in the movie. Mainly me because I like monsters, and that's just kind of how I grew up. But I think other kids also enjoyed it because it's a good film. It's again no, not to say that kids can't enjoy it, but this was definitely not like a child marketed film the way like Barney films would be. Or like the land before time was, or the that dinosaurs movie that was definitely for kids. Like Jurassic Park was not a kids film. It was a monster movie with dinosaurs that kids could watch, but it wasn't it wasn't a, a child animation or a child film. Yeah, and I also go See, as far I as think hold on. maybe. Hmm. Sorry. Go ahead, love. Go ahead. I'd go as far to say that the amazement with dinosaurs isn't something that's ever gone away. I think, you know, it was a very popular thing when we were kids, but I think it's still a very popular thing now. Dinosaurs are just amazing spectacles. The idea of these gigantic lizard slash avian fucking animals that roamed the earth millions of years before (laughs) us just keeps people in awe. And I think really what Jurassic Park captured was what it would have been like to actually, you know, see dinosaurs in the real world. Because I think that and segueing into it, I think that the special effects people at, um, I believe it was Industrial Light and Magic did the CGI and Stan Winston Studios did the animatronics. They did fucking masterworks. The animatronics are fucking amazing. Like those, yeah, they are. They amazing. are the T Rex, the Triceratops. It's nothing. Yeah, it's not CGI. It's all animatronics. And yeah, I mean it's like seventy so percent animatronics. There's like a little bit of CGI in there, and the CGI yeah, is. I was gonna uh, say. Well, no, no, okay. Yeah. 
if you say this, every single movie has a little bit of CGI. The point is, is that is that this film is like we're not getting it's into just a that because we have to go through every movie and what little bit of CGI did they put into it? Like this movie <laughs> is almost essentially animatronics. Yes. Here's the thing that I have, I kind of have trouble with though. The anim- the places with that weren't animatronics, I could sorely see which were CGI, and it looked very bad. It looks super dated, which I find kind of disappointing. Even though I do love the movie. I mean, can you find the fact that something from 1993 is dated now Definitely. during a technological yeah, totally. revolution? I think it's actually kind of charming, the same which is why I like it. It it but has this like. So, but why are you saying it's disappointing though? It's disappointing because I I like in my mind's eye when I was a kid I remember oh this looks so much cooler when I watched it on that CRT yeah, and like because that my was the first time you were thing. seeing anything like it exactly That's the thing where like you can't be disappointed with something you can't be disappointed with something using the capabilities that it had at store for it in that time I mean that's, that's like looking back at looking back at Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time when I was a kid that was lifelike I play that game now I'm like wow these are just trying these are just polygons <laughs> it's everything is polygons these like, are just polygons Sure, maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's disappointing that it doesn't look as amazing as it did as I was, I was a child, but for it's still the time that it was, it was, it was revolutionary, and it, and it looked real then, 100%, and you have to at least understand that. For 1993, which was only, you know, almost two decades ago. No, yeah, it totally. Was, it was two decades ago. I do agree. Over two decades ago. Like, I think the movie is totally groundbreaking for a lot of reasons. I didn't have the context as a the, kid. For the, fact, for the fact that it was almost 30 years ago, it still Holds up. looks so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like, compared to like early Toy Story, whew, that's rough. Oh, yeah. Toy Story 1, which crazy how it looked like the best thing ever. In 1993. And that's with everything. That's with everything. It always looks so cutting edge, and then it can get better. You have to wonder when it's going to hit that peak, and it can't possibly get any better. There has to be a peak, a point where it can't get any better. Yeah. I do wonder about that. No, I mean, at some point, although all that stuff that, you know, was the peak becomes charming for a nostalgic reason. Um, Yeah. But I think we can safely say that even 30 years after the fact, with their combination of CGI and animatronics, Jurassic Park really holds its own, even now, I think. Yeah, it still looks good now, which is, it's still, 1993 isn't too late in the war, in time, but it still looks really yeah, good. I mean, it's almost 30 years ago, but... I will say yeah, but when you when you think of like the '90s versus like the '70s, like big difference in the way maybe, things look. Maybe, but I also think that the way that technology you know moves so exponentially, if anything, you know, like just where we are now, it's an even bigger difference from like you know what the '70s was to the 2000s as opposed to like what the '90s was to now. I will also say I do give some credit to Steven Spielberg because. He made Jaws look really good, and Jaws as well was an animatronic. And if you look at images of, like, Jaws, the animatronic, even knowing, even seeing it in the animatronic state, it looks terrifying. I will say (laughs) Steven Spielberg is really good at animatronics and really good at at recreating them in a way that captures it on camera, because with camera you you can trick things very easily. He's very good at doing that. 
I actually just watched a little video essay before we started this about the oh, big nice. difference between Jurassic World and Jurassic Park and why the sequels just don't look as good as Jurassic Park. It's a lot... It's because Steven Spielberg's it's... not helping. Yeah, yeah. It's because Steven Spielberg <laughs> is a great director who really understood framing and scale. Mm-hmm. And he made every... Yes. And that's, yeah. that's really what captured that sense of awe with like the characterism with the mm-hmm. images you were seeing on screen. The dinosaurs just look so grand. And even, you know, again, it's a testament to the animatronic studio and the CGI people. But it's also a testament to Steven Spielberg just, Steven Spielberg, just understanding how yeah. to film something right. He got those shots that are forever yeah. ingrained in our brain. Every department deserves their credit. But the director is the helm of the ship. And sometimes the departments might know better, but they're forced to do other things because the director insists upon it. So a lot of the times, you know, uh, you, you know you this can't from bl- personal experience. I, I know this from personal experience and right. I, I just know as well how <laughs> movies work. At the end of the day, the wardrobe department and this department, that department, they can all give their say. But if the director vetoes it, that's that's it. As well as if the budget vetoes it, that's it. It all comes down to budget and, and the director because and there's a lot of infighting between director and producers and all of that as well. But at the end of the day, it does come down to, you know, the good departments that know their stuff and then a good director that knows their stuff. And they all have to come together to make the vision work. And the vision is fucking grand because I feel like we've been talking about all the technical and metatextual things, but we haven't even talked about the actual plot of the movie yet. Which I find okay, very yeah. funny. Let's let's talk about the plot. I, I do want to say I, I would like to say um, I I really liked no I really liked the way it unfolded. I I thought I was not going to like the fact that the dinosaurs, as Manny said, don't come in until so late. But I really liked the way that they showed it. These two scientists doing their thing, uncovering bones. And then suddenly kind of being whisked away by this by this money man. Gonna go ahead and break right there. My partner slash wife had a great statement about that exact fucking moment in the film. She said really? it was a scientific indecent proposal. Because he just kept throwing money at them. And he was like, here's three years. Will you come with me to this island now? And they were like... Well, shit, of course we'll fuck your dinosaurs for three years worth of research money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, all you have to do is throw enough money at someone. Unfortunately for him, it's just panning out. Would but... you ever do that? Would you be like, yeah, I'll suck your dick for dinosaur DNA? Like Newman? Then it will suck someone's dick for way less than that. I don't know I, what you're implying. I would not suck someone's dick for dinosaur DNA. For money, on the other hand. What? Give me, give me 50 bucks. Yeah, but would... But do you think about how much you could sell that dinosaur DNA for? For dinosaur DNA. Is it more DNA? than 50 bucks? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, sure, I'll do it. Did you see how, what the fuck Newman was doing? Wait, what was his name? I can't remember his name. That thing's, you need connections, though. You need, you need someone to get in touch with that. Can we talk about Michael Crichton for a second? So, oh, first yes, of all, we can. Jurassic Park, 
Jurassic Park is based on a book by Michael Crichton, who is also a, a screenwriter and does films as well. Mike Crichton. Um, he already had spoken to Steven Spielberg about the fact that he was writing this book before he even finished it. So the fact, because the fil- the book came out in like 1990, the film came out in 1993. So when he was writing it, it was it was essentially already on the market to to be turned into a movie. And Steven Spielberg eventually did win the rights to, to turn into yeah, a movie. Well, actually, you know, on that note, um, so the film rights were bought before the novel was actually finished because Spielberg... Yeah, which oh, happens, wow. I will say that does happen a lot. Yeah. It does, it does. With books, that, that happens very often. The rights do get, yeah. do get, uh, do get bought yeah. before. And, you know, oftentimes it doesn't lead to a whole bunch or it leads to, you know, whatever. But this is... Yeah, but Michael Crichton was already in the industry, so it was basically a yeah, surefire yeah. that he knew he yeah. was going some, somewhere. Some of the work it. that he did before that was uh, the 1970s science fiction film Westworld, which, as you know, some would know, inspired the science fiction it's television series, series of the same now. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yep. he would later second season sucks. He would later go on to um, you know helm or create the television series ER based off his own experience as an MD. He yep. is, in fact, a yeah. Harvard graduate doctor. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. He, he has dabbled in many different industries. He's a well-versed man. Um, this guy's I would a fucking like to also say Leonardo another da Vinci. Thing, another thing about Michael Crichton I find interesting. When he was writing the book, he, uh, he met several times and did inter- interviews with uh, a man named John Ostrom, who is a, an American pa- paleontologist paleontologist <laughs> who is uh, maybe best known uh, for the fact that he in the 60s revolutionized the way we look at dinosaurs uh, it was John Ostrom that was like hey you know these dinosaurs kind of resemble birds maybe a little more than they do lizards and it kind of changed the entire way we look at them and, and uh, Michael Crichton uh, spoke uh, several times with John Ostrom t- learning about dinosaurs, specifically about uh, the dinosaur, and I, correct me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, the Deinonychus? Deinonychus. Deinonychus. It was the Deinonychus uh, which, ter- uh, which becomes the main villain of our, of our movie. The raptor. He spoke several times about the Deinonychus. Deinonychus. Uh, discussing kind of like their habits and about them and all these details. Um, And when Michael Crichton was writing the book, you know, he took all those details and put them in the book as accurately as he could. But then he was like, ah, sorry, John. Velociraptor just sounds more dramatic, so I'm just going to call it that instead. And that was the greatest blunder of science ever. It fucks with me all the time. To be fair, they're in the same family. The Velociraptor and the the Dinonychus That's like calling a gorilla a chimpanzee. Those are not the same thing. Which people in movies do. It's just just very a cinematic thing. Oh, God. But but the Velociraptor is actually a Dinonychus. For anyone maybe wondering... They, he just changed the name because Velociraptor sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think with any science fiction film and any work of science fiction, gonna be you get a lot of actual scientific inaccuracies. And some of it is just due to outdated science. Science actually changes. You know, a lot, for a long time, 
people were under some impression of what dinosaurs would have looked like. And now the common theory is that they are feathered beasts that are more closely related to birds. There is a line in Jurassic Park that says they're more closely related to birds, but they still film them and depict them as giant Ooh, reptiles. Like they monsters also, like Godzilla. Another, another line they made that, that my girlfriend really appreciated was the fact that they talked about it being in the crustacean period. Even Cretaceous. though they called it... Crustacean. Sorry, what did I say? Wait, what did I say? You said crustacean. You said crustacean. <laughs> like oh yeah, I said crustacean. <laughs> it's in the lobster period. Sorry, the crustaceous period. My uh, favorite even period. though, even though, or even though it's called Jurassic Park, you know, most, if not all, of the dinosaurs presented were at some point in the crustaceous period. Yeah, um, uh, which they are do. From they the... also make references to. Not Permian. I believe that Triceratops are part of the crustaceous period. As no, well no, as no, the Dinonychus, no. and Tricer- as well as the Velociraptor. Um, Triceratops were from the Middle Age of that era. Of the yeah, the Cretaceous era. period. The fuck no, the Cretaceous was the last one. Holocene's after, dude. The KT extinction, then the Holocene. Wait, so where are the Triceratops from? Either way, Tricer- they were all from different periods of what time. What the fuck is a pale no, no, the, Yeah, the... Okay, the Triceratops were part of the Cretaceous period. No, yeah. they the fuck is a Neolithic. I'm looking. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it right now. During the late Mastrichistian stage and of the yeah of the late Cretaceous there period. There is more. There's more years separating us from T Rex, or there is more years separating T Rex from Triceratops than us from T Rex. That's how big the differences between those two species are. There were earlier. There were earlier Ceratopsians, but specifically Triceratops. Oh. <laughs> Alright, nerds. Let's... I, I, I just said this a little while ago. There's always going to be scientific inaccuracies in these films. They're just not perfect. But I think we can take them for what they are and the suspension of disbelief and be like, these are amazing pieces of work. And, you know, we've just talked about the filming of it. We've talked about, you know, the visual effects. We've talked about the amazing writing of Michael Crichton or Michael Creighton or whatever the fuck that dude's name is. There were two screenwriters, Michael Crichton, who's the, the author, and I actually don't know if I'm saying his name right, I'm sorry. And then the other guy. And to be fair, I'm sure there was many other pe- there were many other people involved in the writing process, but... But, you know, only so many people actually get their name on screen. I'm sure there was like five other people that wrote a line or two. Oh, real quick thing in terms of side characters. I want to commend Samuel L. Jackson for blending in so well because I did not know who the fuck yeah. he was. Yes, the the first couple scenes I didn't reckon. It wasn't until his first speaking line that I, me God damn and it, my Andrew. girlfriend turned to each other and were like, that sounded like Samuel Jackson, but it wasn't <laughs> him, right? And then it's like I watched for the next time his face was on screen. And I was like, holy shit, it is Samuel Jackson. I will say, though, I am disappointed that he died off screen. Um, yeah, me too. The flip side of that, me and my wife. The way he smoked things made me really interested in smoking. I'm not going to lie. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Again, on the flip but side of that. Many? Me and my wife actually noticed right away it was Samuel L. Jackson before we even saw him on screen because we heard his voice on the loudspeaker in one of the early scenes before they get to Mr. DNA, the whole uh, slideshow or whatever. Oh! His voice is on the loudspeaker fucking twice. Then we see him and we're like, yeah, that's Samuel L. Jackson, very obviously. So we were not surprised at all. He didn't blend in for us. Samuel L. Jackson's voice is very automatically like, oh yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's in this fucking film. That's because it's just such an iconic yeah, uh... voice though. I wasn't paying as I uh, I clearly wasn't paying as much attention as uh, as you. 
I think I was reading the subtitles more during that DNA scene, clearly. Or I was on my phone. Can we take... Can we take a quick pee break? I'm sorry, I have to pee so bad. Is that okay? Break music! I'm peeing! Trans pee rights! I like that Jeff Goldblum is a fucking mathematician. I didn't know what the fuck he was when I was a kid. Mathematician? Hold on. Let me show show some respect to my boy. He's a he chaos said he's a mathematician. No, that he said he's a chaos It was so funny. Yeah, no, that was legit what he said. And it was so funny to me that he was like, chaos theory, ever heard of it? And like these two very smart scientists were like, I have no idea what that is. What? Chaos I've never heard of it. And he related it to the butterfly effect. The most layman's, like, such a writer-centric way to do it. And they were like, butterfly effect? What the fuck is that? I literally have the butterfly effect tattooed to my stupid body. And I know nothing about math because I'm a dumb liberal arts student. This is why, this is my point, where whenever math is brought up in like, a, in like a movie, because the writers are so like in a different hemisphere that they, that they use the most basic theories that you could just Google so simply, and then they try to treat it like it's so out, so like out of nowhere that like other renowned scientists, even if they're not mathematicians, have no idea. They had never, they legitimately had never heard of the concept <laughs> of chaos theory. They didn't even know what that was. That to gonna, me was the most hilarious part of the film. If we're going to nitpick the part where um, the little girl fucking hacks the mainframe she's like i know how to use oh, unix yeah. Oh, yeah. and she's just navigating a fucking hey, program Honestly, like it's I a goddamn hackers are little kids they know the internet better than we do not I if it's a fucking that. video game you play around to open the goddamn program no, she like, said she was a hacker she didn't spend her time playing games she was a hacker the like, thing she did at the end was a game that's not real hacking oh. well no that was not anything against what she did that was once again People that are very liberal arts centric wanting Don't to show understand. hacking in a fun way. If you want to see good hacking, folks, watch Mr. Robot. Otherwise, that is just how every movie shows hacking. You want to watch any hacking movie? It's always like some big screen where they just the take, they use their hands to like move things into place, like it's some kind of puzzle. That is just a like what we don't want to watch some person typing in like hash command dot underscore script run like we don't like that's boring so given all of that do we think that science is the problem but also the answer as like the theme of the movie because it seems yeah, like that's a good point that's a good point yeah a lot of the people i think the issue is that people who don't understand the science fully like um jeff goldman's character points out is like you're not 
fully comprehending the power that you're wielding. You're like a kid yeah, with a gun. Yeah, it's funny that it's not even a scientist, but it's a mathematician that says that. I mean, they understand that. But then again, at the same time, at the very end... But the scientists the don't kid, understand math, and yet the, si- the mathematician <laughs> understands science? It's funny. Again, but it's, it's a bit weird. Plot hole, cinema sins, ding. But what I mean to say is, at the end, the kid who understands computers is the one who saves their asses in some way. I feel like that's a conflicting of like philosophical morals here. Is science the the moving driving force, or is it the thing that's holding us back? I it's guess, not what I'm so much. To say. It's like it's evolution. It's the evolutionary theory. It's it's Charles Darwin. Natural Charles selection. Darwin. We shouldn't bring back the things that failed to survive. That was that was what's his face Jeff Goldblum's whole point. These things failed to to survive not because of us fucking shit up but because literally life without our involvement told them not to survive anymore there's a reason they shouldn't exist now much later with a different evolution of people it's it definitely is a conversation about how far we should go with science and it actually is relevant now now that we have CRISPR and technology that does allow us to like uh, deal with uh, deal with science in a new way, and deal with things like eugenics, even which wasn't exactly a topic of the film, but it, it's something. Cloning, cloning. It, yeah, it, it like moves here now, where it's like we have the technology to one. If you have enough money, you can clone your dog if you want to. We can clone things now. We can uh, take babies before they're even born and mess around with their DNA. Is that something we should do? Jurassic Park says no. We should let... Science in the whole is not bad. It's when we take things and we try to mess with the evolution. Dinosaurs existed, came and went, and then we messed with the evolution to make them come back. That is what they're saying is wrong. Harkening back to what I said earlier, I think more than just trying to control evolution or trying to control anything, or trying to control evolution specifically, actually, I think it's... The idea of humans trying to control nature. Nature is an is just such an impossible yeah. thing to control because nature is where all people come from. You know, we're all products of you know the ecosystem. The Big Bang and, Theory. Can't yeah, explain and we think, that. And you know, we think we're better than that. We think we have control. We think we've learned so much because of our consciousness or because of you know our cranial capacity. But at the end of the day, we d- can't control it. It's you know beyond our scale of understanding and we cannot exert control over that and so i think that's a philosophical question like you know what should we do um or what can we do as people really right um i want to frame that actually like you said you said it's beyond our capacity what i really noticed was interesting about jurassic park is that it's a monster movie that's kind of framed almost like an alien invasion of some sorts the dinosaurs are from they're dinosaurs are from our world, but not really. They're from another world, the Jurassic world, and they come in, they fuck shit up, they eat things. They don't even function as real dinosaurs. The fucking Dinonychus don't function like real dinosaurs because their eyes are on the goddamn sides of their heads. That's not how fucking predators work. It it it's it's less about. It almost feels like it's less about monsters, less about like science and how far we go, and more about. The fears we have as humans, I guess. So what I'm trying to say is, though, that this movie is very anachronistic. 
Like, again, we've sorry, talked about sorry, this before. Sorry, 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 you cut off? The, oh. the movie's very what? The movie's very um, anachronistic. There's a lot of things that don't really make sense that mesh well together. Of course, there's a human shouldn't exist with dinosaurs, but a lot of the dinosaurs are coexisting together when they shouldn't be. They're millions of years apart in some yeah. ways. Well, actually, there's, the movie again, kind of they explains don't act... that. They, they're not fully dinosaur DNA. They got no, as no. much DNA as they, they can. They got frog they DNA. it with... Frogs they're essentially so aliens in they, this essence. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're not dinosaurs exactly. They're a close recollection mixed with things from Earth, like frogs, to, to make them. So, I mean, the, the movie is like, yeah, it's not but, um, 100% a dinosaur. It's just. What I'm trying to get out like is there's no such thing as a dinosaur monster movie genre out there. You don't think there Godzilla is, is a dinosaur monster? Genre? That's not a dinosaur. Let's not let's not touch it's that. It's basically <laughs> a dinosaur. No, I mean, when you think it has, it's basically Godzilla's a dinosaur. Godzilla is an alien. But here's Godzilla. the thing: Steven Spielberg himself said he was making a Godzilla movie when he was making Jurassic Park, and actually, <laughs> he went on to say that Godzilla was like this amazing monster movie that he was trying to like recreate. When he made right. Jurassic Park. And yes, what I'm trying to say is that the philosophical intention is less about the intention of the director and more about what they put into the ethos. Godzilla isn't terrifying because he's some lizard that got mutated into a fucking giant dinosaur looking motherfucker or whatever the fuck his stories at Lores at the time. He's terrifying because he's different from what we understand. He's a monster made from our own kind. He's an alien from what we made. And it's this fear of the unknown and foreignness that I think drives the whole movie together. It makes you afraid. It makes you question, are we okay with what we do with things in life? Is it okay that we manipulate things we're not aware of and just kind of go with it? I think that's very strong to think about because even as a kid, I was like, why are we doing this with dinosaurs? They're so scary. Why did you think that was a good idea? We don't really know whether they're scary or not. We can only assume that they are because they're so, they're scary because they're big. Yeah. And they could easily crush us. Right. Um, Manny, what do you think of, like, the philosophical intentions of this, like, scenario that I've thought of, at least? No, I think we've... I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head. And again, you know, Jurassic Park's been around forever. It's... You know, it's not only a huge blockbuster, but I think it's, you know, an achievement in terms of just cinema in general. And so I think there's a lot of people who have analyzed this film and have come to more or less the same conclusion in which the philosophical debate does come down to this, you know, lack of control and this fear of, you know, things that aren't necessarily in the right place, you know, um... But I did have a comment earlier um, when you were talking about the idea of, like, you know, all these dinosaurs uh, not just being misplaced in time, but also being misplaced within their within themselves because they are from different periods. You know, um, you were saying that some were separated by millions of years, most likely, and so putting them in the same ecosystem, um, you know, really fucks with that, right? But I think what you have to consider when you're talking about that is that Jurassic Park is you know, it, it's a park, it's a theme park, it's a zoo, it's all these things. And so, yeah, I think it kind of goes to, to that general idea of like, yeah, mankind will try to, you know, commodify and try to, you know, make exciting or sell, 
this idea of the unknown and these things that you can't possibly uh, really control to their own folly because they can't control it. They don't understand it. They don't really get it. Jeff Goldblum has a great line in which he, you know, really accost, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but, you know, the character of Hammond being like, you stood on the backs of geniuses. You sh- yeah, you stood on the shoulders of giants and you just did all the work or you did all of this. You took the next step without doing any of the real work. You didn't pay for it. You don't understand what you're doing. And I actually didn't are- get that line. That was the one line in the movie I didn't get because I was like, what's he saying? That the men, like maybe Hammond doesn't, but there's all these scientists that are literally... I mean, Hammond says you don't give us enough credit. And I have to say, is he not? He, like, did he actually look at the work the scientists did? He didn't even look at the work to say that. He just said that because they did it. But the scientists that did it, like, they did the work. They did something that no one else had. So what's this mathematician to say that they stood on the backs of other people and just put two things together that... that like other people could but didn't i think if someone else could they would have before i think a big part of it too though is the fact that they sort of did a speed run through it they rushed it as much as they could and they didn't consider the implications of what they were doing both philosophically and scientifically because and i think if he said it more like that like i agree with that like maybe they and, and i think he does a little later kind of say that a bit more clearly but the but Hammond was able to brush it off with, like, you don't give us enough credit. Because in the first part, the part that you quoted, he was essentially saying, like, these other people did the work and you just, like, jumped and and stole their work and made it your own. Was, like, what he was implying when they definitely did their own work, but they did rush it. Like, you have to give them the credit for, they did this and it's amazing, but they did rush it. So I, I feel like Jeff Goldman's character was kind of throwing these people under the bus or not giving them their due credit and I think that was what made it so easy for him to brush it off when yeah that the uh, the point that he should have made was that they did this amazing thing but they did it too fast and they should have considered the implications and he does say that later but he says it too late Hammond has already brushed him off at that point yeah well I mean I think it comes down to the idea that you know Nothing in the world is black and white, even in films. Like, there is an argument to say that, you know, Hammond and the scientists are just, you know, progressing. And that mankind is always trying to progress. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That is a good thing that we're, you know, pushing the boundaries. And maybe sometimes we push the boundaries to a point that we don't necessarily understand what's going on. But we learn so much and we grow so much as a species and we move forward. Progress is something that we do. But what are the philosophical implications? What are the moral implications of moving forward as a species? Because ultimately, we're, we're not even necessarily moving forward. We might not be moving forward. We might just be moving. Who really knows what we're doing? It's it's such a thing. And yeah, so in this way, Jurassic Park, fucking fantastic film. It really sneaks up on you with all these things in which you're like, yeah, cool. Dinosaurs are rad. These scenes are amazing. But also, yeah, it comes down to all these things about capitalism, progress, um, you know, the human spirit of moving forward, but also the lack of understanding. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it really, it's, it's a film for all ages. Um, as for me, I feel like this movie really hit me 
I, I've been approaching it as this like nostalgia bomb, and it, honestly, it holds up more than just a nostalgia bomb. It really is just a very solid movie that kind of engages all forms of filmmaking, writing, and everything in between. I think it truly is what I think of. This is like the biggest example of I think of a Hollywood blockbuster besides like say Jaws or like I don't know Harry Potter. I guess I'm, I'm assuming that's like a, a summer blockbuster back in like 2002. But what I'm trying to say is more than just the the spectacle of the move of the show or movie because obviously the spectacle lasted for a long time. I still remember the Hollywood Park fucking theater folks, the toys, the new movies that came out. It actually does lend itself well to understanding, I guess, the human condition even at large in some ways, and even just kind of poking fun at people in general, seeing how that all works out. It's a great movie. And I'm glad this is like the first movie we tried to like deep dive on. So, Grandpas, what's your final verdict on this Jurassic Bonehead Park movie? Yeah, we all enjoyed it. it but was, out of out of what though? Out of how many dinosaur bones? I'd give it almost a full T Rex. It's probably missing a little bit of its tail at the end, but it's almost a, okay. a full T Rex. Manny? Yeah, no, I would actually say something real similar. Um, like, yeah, it. In my, I'd in give my head, it one yabba dabba do. <laughs> like, we're all doing different rating scales because I would probably give it like a 4.5 out of 5, honestly. Maybe a 4.3. I give it a 5 it, out of 5. It's a good film. Yeah, it was. It was a good I like film. its flaws, actually. It had its flaws. That's what I'm very happy I about. I think, honestly, out of any of the mistakes, it, it wasn't. It's not even that I think it should have. The only problems with it where I think with just some script tweaking that didn't have anything to do with like modern day issues versus back in the day issues. Like I thought it was totally fine. I just think there were some like story things that they could have found a, a better way to deal with as I, all, I already discussed. Good film overall. Um, should we talk a little bit? So we, we are doing sci-fi blockbusters and it is a, it was Keanu's genre. So Keanu, this month you're doing you you chose Jurassic Park and you're choosing the the movie we're gonna do at the end of this month of of September. Osmosis Jones. Don't not spoil this. Actually, you can spoil it. It doesn't matter. I don't know if it's, but the movie the movie that I'm doing. Uh, yeah. So it's my turn to choose the the sci-fi blockbuster. So it had to specifically be a commercially successful in its time film which made it difficult because the first like five films i wanted to do were while very successful later in life were not commercially successful when they first released so i yes i was i was gonna do but i found a way to do it later and you'll see when that time comes but the movie instead, my sci-fi film, is one that I have never seen, but I've always wanted to see. And this is my opera. And just like I'd never seen Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park before, no, I've I've seen at least a, enough Star Wars that I would not choose it. Um, the movie that I'm doing is RoboCop, a sci-fi movie that I have yet to see, but I've I've wanted to see for so long. I'm so excited to finally to finally watch it. This is my excuse to finally like sit down and watch it because I, I have a reason to now. So RoboCop is the movie we will be talking about next week. For our sci-fi September. Alright. Alright, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry Grandpa. Grandpa. 
Hold on. Have you guys ever peed so long after holding it in that it really feels good? That it feels really good though? Like, it feels like way better than it should. Yeah, that was me oh just now. Oh my god. That was me I yesterday, just got dog. Back. It felt so good. No, it's essentially like orgasming. If it you is. want me to, That's if you what are I was gonna say. No, it, it is. It's not, not, like, not joking. Yeah. It is. I'm not joking. Do you want me to talk like real about like orgasm and my thoughts on how it relates to peeing? Dude, I think we're talking <laughs> real right now. Sometimes if you hold it in long enough, it's better than coming. And I will say that for me, and I think this might legitimately be what squirting is, but for me, like, if you hit the right it's spot, piss. like, I pee and it feels so good. And I peed and it feels so good. I'm gonna use a Dino Nike school. The best orgasm is when I pee, too. And then I burn when I peed. 